Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Hani Torsky. She is the founder and owner of Peak Parenting Academy, a spiritual parenting guide, a life coach, and last but certainly not least, a mom to eight children and grandma to 13 kids. <laughs> wow. Hani, Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. It is an absolute pleasure and honor. I appreciate you. How are you doing today? Mostly excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited. Yeah, I feel honored to be here and be part of what you're doing. I think I have great respect for what you're doing. And I know there are a lot of podcasters, but here is a guy who is essentially primarily masculine, making room for unlimited women. So I believe the world, it it creates something. It creates a ripple in the world beyond just the interview. So I want to acknowledge how good it feels for me as a woman to be interviewed by you, especially knowing that you do this for women. Thank you so much for that beautiful reflection. I appreciate you. And I receive that into my heart. And thank you for expressing that. I appreciate you. So with all of this, let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Peak Parenting Academy is all about, when you founded it, what the inspiration behind starting it was? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I feel this is a mission for me. This is very close to my heart and soul. The intention of this Peak Parenting Academy that I founded is right now, it's designed to support couples who are thinking to start a family and want the support, the preparation before they even conceive. So I know there are so many parenting programs out there, including my own. I started as a regular parenting course back in 2011. And right now, after all the work I have done and after everything I've learned and trained in, and I realize the work has to start before you have a child. Especially, I love psychology and I researched a lot about trauma and childhood trauma. And everybody says the same thing. Childhood trauma or the impact and the impression starts from the first moment the child is born. And then the main impression is those first six or seven years. And what I find that parents reach out for help is after their child is, you know, at least after they're two or three, and sometimes after they're seven, and they unconsciously passed to this, to another generation, what they swore to themselves, they're not going to do it. How many times have you heard that, right? (laughs) Correct. And we all have our dreams. I know I was really young when I had my own dream of how I want to be a parent, meaning really young. I was already 16. I was grown. And I remember that moment when I was sitting in a high school psychology class when I realized, hey, things can be done differently. And I made a clear decision how I am going to do with my children differently than what I experienced. And unfortunately, I didn't have the support and the guidance to show me how to do that. And I don't know if you know, but I was arranged to marry someone at the age of 18. So think about me being arranged. I haven't met my husband before the wedding. 
So how risky is that? It's incredibly risky. Right. You don't even know this person. And it didn't take a week or two when I knew that it's not for me. Wow. But I didn't have the support. I had it all internally. I knew what I wanted. I, I had the clarity, but I did not have the support. And I was also married to a person from a high profile. My wedding was grand. I had 7,000 people. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. 7,000? Yeah, I actually have it. It's recorded in the newspapers because it was on TV. It was pretty grand. Wow. So imagine a young 18-year-old girl saying, well, the wedding was beautiful, but I'm not happy. I couldn't do that. And I made a decision to, I'll make it work. I'm going to make it work. That was probably my coping mechanism to believe that I can do anything. And it took very soon that I fell into a whirlwind of pain and suffering and silence. And that spilled into my parenting. I lost touch with what I promised myself to yeah. be with my children. And of course, some 16, of that, yeah. you promised yourself. And you're, I mean, you went against the very fiber of your being to stay in that marriage, even though yeah. you knew I can't even, I mean, the pain and the inner turmoil and struggle, I can't even begin to imagine how tough that inner battle must have been for you. It was tremendous, but I was numbed out. I was in denial. It took 12 years before I told anyone that I'm suffering. And that's when I started my journey to self-discovery and, and reclaiming myself. And from that, right now, I had my awakening in 2009. That's when I had my, I have eight children. So that's when I had my younger children. So I can now regretfully see some of the issues that I have with my older children that still need to be resolved. And it's yeah. painful. It's very painful. And I don't want that for other people. Yeah. And I also see with my younger children, the tremendous bond that we have and the difference because I was more evolved and more aware before they were even born. So that's what really gives me more fuel to know that we can do it different if we're shown how to if do it. If we're given the tools. Correct. So, so what was the catalyst for you then? You said it took you 12 years before you could actually speak it to somebody. So what was that shift for you? Was it a particular moment? Well, I had a friend who was in a similar situation. So she was the first one I started to confide in. Okay. And also my One's husband, my then husband, surprisingly, in addition to all my being unhappy in the marriage, in our 20s, he was ill with chronic illness. He was in and out of the hospital, and it ended with a cancer, which, thank God, is healed miraculously. So I couldn't even put the spotlight on how I feel. And I'm loving and caring, and I really cared for him, and I felt concern and compassion. So it's only after that, that I woke up to the reality. This is a crumbled home. And that's when I sought help for the first time. And I started with traditional therapy. And that was probably the time that I started sharing with my friend and then my parents. Yeah. That is powerful. How did your parents react? They didn't believe me. I put up such a good show. <laughs> and then they became good listeners, which I appreciate. Unfortunately, when I had my awakening, a couple of years later is when I had my real awakening. So I did work, I did work, I peeled open. Yeah. And then the real breakthrough was when I was really frustrated and I insisted that my husband join me in therapy, in marital therapy. And I found myself feeling like my voice isn't heard because he's a leader and he has a position. And... Upon making a call to this therapist, he dismissed what I said, and he didn't even listen to right. what I have to say. And that's when I took the lid off, so to speak, from my hidden accumulated pain. I turned my bathtub on. I went into mm. the bath, and I was already then into holistic health, so I had built a trust yeah. in my health. So I wasn't scared of my emotions overtaking me. <laughs> And I let those sounds come out, the crying come out for a long time. And then th this was my pivotal moment. I came out of the bath 
with such a strong conviction and commitment to myself. And these were the 11 words that I share with my children to remember that I came out from that experience was my life is mine and I choose how I live it. That is powerful. I applaud your courage and your strength. Incredible. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? I attribute my drive to an innate nature. For me, it's not even a question if the question is how. And I don't know if other high achievers are like this, but that's how I lead my life. Yeah. And so what were you doing before making the jump into entrepreneurship for a living? I was a teacher oh, okay. in that community for 18 years. Imagine having to hide all my feelings yeah. and coming in front of a class. And I enjoy teaching very much. So probably it fed me. But all the while still being within that community. Yeah. It must have been incredibly difficult. Now to looking back. Face, to wear yeah. that mask. Yeah. When you're in survival, you don't even think. But now. Yeah, it was really hard. And so I love and find it very interesting that you choose and use the title of guide as opposed to coach. What was the logic or thinking behind that decision? And was it a conscious decision to choose the word guide over coach for you? Well, actually it is. I feel like when I was thinking of what to name my program, I felt called to name it Peak parenting and peak is talking about reaching what I shared yeah. earlier with the high achiever. Yeah. And I know the people who will be working with me and the people who come to me are advanced and this is advanced work. So I feel like the word guide is like a guide who takes you up to the top of the mountain, yeah. especially if I work with a couple who is thinking of starting a family and I have some that I'm working with right now that haven't even conceived. So the journey is a long journey. And I want them to feel like I will be there with them in every step of the way. So that's my... I love it. Yeah. So I would also love to hear your thoughts on the coaching industry currently. Through a lot of conversations that I've had with multiple women who are in the coaching industry, I've found that quite a few of them don't even like to use the word coach. They prefer guide or mentor or other words of choice because of the reputation that the industry is getting through social media. There are coaches out there. They promise their clients they'll be six-figure coaches within two, three months, all of these other, I think, false promises. They prefer not to use the word coach because of the association with that. What are your thoughts on this, if you have any, on the coaching industry and what we're seeing in social media? Yeah, my I think it's unfortunate that it could be used inappropriately by people and manipulative. I, I think that's really unfortunate because coaches do help people. And I personally don't have any emotional connection to the words. I respect the people in my life who call themselves coaches. I worked with many people throughout my journey. It was like an 18-year long journey from when I started to go for help. So whatever you call yourself, I think it's all about how effective are they? And I think you're, you spoke about that. Are you really helping people? Are you really showing up fully the maximum that you can? And you actually have a way to help your people. And yeah. I think that's where people should look out for when they go for help to identify if that person is really credible. And, and if somebody was burnt, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that everybody is like that. I want to go back to your personal story or journey, what support systems did you have in place to help you deal with and get through those struggles? I mean, you said it was a long journey for you. So what did you have in place? What I had in place, I'll say first an overview, every mm -hmm. lifeboat that the universe sent me, I jumped onto. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I was a yes to nearly everything, because sometimes intuitively I would feel, no, that doesn't talk to me, so I wouldn't even consider it. But anything that felt like, you know, maybe it's related to my, now I learned human design. Are you familiar with human yes. design? Yep. Yeah. So yep. I'm a sacral generator. So my answer is instant, the yes and no. So yep. whatever was a yes, I jumped and it's what brought me here. I have to say that Firstly, my parents, should I share a little bit more 
Sure. Like, yeah, please, please do. So yeah. My parents listening to me was priceless. And even though they're quiet people and they didn't, they didn't do anything practically to help me get out, they still held the space for me. So that was meaningful. With all the healing I've done, I've learned to appreciate what is and not have expectation of what isn't. And then I had one soul sister who, after I tried to turn every stone, I tried to make the marriage work. So, and I was at my wit's end. I went to a family event and a cousin of mine taps me on my shoulder. She goes, honey, you know, some of the people in our family, they are special and they go through a lot. And she listed some of my family mm -hmm. members. And then she told me about a workshop that she wants to invite me to. And that was a turning point because that workshop was somebody from outside the community. For years, I tried to get help in the community. Nobody was willing to help me. Because you're within the community. I'm within the community and I'm married to somebody who's that powerful. And that was a real turning point. And I feel like she and I are soul sisters. We're mm -hmm. biological first cousins, but she always had my back. You do you, honey. And when I had my real blossom in 2019 into the fullness of myself, she passed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. She was 50. Unbelievable woman. And I feel like she's still with me. I feel like we have some soul connection. And then from there, I bought a computer. In that community, com computers are banned. But I was already empowered. I said my life is mine and I choose <laughs> yeah. how I live it. So I bought a computer and I started to do online classes. The first one was with Gene Houston. Did you hear of Gene Houston? Okay. So the course was about the possible human. Amazing okay. person. I think she's in her 80s, looking extremely young. And in her course, I was introduced to a course by Neil Donald Walsh. And I'm wondering if you have any connection to... No, but I know who he is. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't have an access to money. And I wanted to join because what he shared was so inspiring. I was like coming out of this bubble of this tight-knit, really sheltered community and seeing other people. Like you were breaking out of your cocoon. Exactly. And like-minded people even more than within my community. So I want to join and I won the competition. <laughs> <laughs> how powerful is that and how synchronistic? Yeah. And it was called Conversations with God, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was like a complete rebirth for you. Stepping out of that community where you've been held and you had not been happy and stuck there into this whole new world, a complete yeah. rebirth. That is incredible. Yeah. I don't Life even changing. know how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did it because you're strong and resilient. That's how you did it. Yeah. You believed in yourself. Yeah. I kind of did it all by myself. So yeah. I appreciate having taken those steps. Absolutely. Yeah. You should be very proud of yourself. 100%. Yeah. And I'll share three more. Mm -hmm. One of them is when I started to do my parenting classes in 2011 and that's when I left high school and I was introduced to a marketer, Lisa Sasevich. I'm sure you heard of her. And I wanted to join her live event. And that was the first live event that I signed up for and going actually and mingle with other people. <laughs> <laughs> and I still looked very religious. I was ultra religious, yeah. still at least in, on the outside. And in the airport, I get a call from my dad, who I love so much. And he insisted I go home. He didn't want me to go to a secular event. And I said, sorry, dad, this is something I need to do. And it was the first time I actually had the audacity to say that no to my father, to something that direct. And I was crying on the plane the entire way. But that broke me free from attachment. It was painful, I'm but sure. it was freeing. Yeah. Broke yourself wide open. Exactly. That start, that crack to open you up. Yeah. And then where I feel extremely blessed is I also started to do psychology degree, etc. And then I was introduced to work with two very advanced healers. One of them, he opened four schools in California. 
And I worked one-on-one -on -one with him a couple of years and trained with him. Massive, amazing, super advanced trauma healing, healing and concepts and understanding the human brain, understanding the child and all of that. And it was amazing. And we did groups together so I can learn how to do it with groups. And at one point in 2018, the end of 2018, it was the same week that I got an okay from a group of attorneys. And I was very fortunate, maybe the fact that I was married to somebody with a high profile. I received pro bono and they were a group of people. One of them takes $1,300 an hour. Jeez. Oh, yeah. But they do have some pro bono in their firm. So mm -hmm. I was lucky to have that. And the same week that they said, yes, we're going to take on this case, I met another mentor who is up until today my mentor. And I see him as my godfather and probably had the biggest impact in my life. And he had started something completely different. And all the work that I have done up until then didn't compare to the depth of how deep this healing was. And that's when I really felt like, okay, this is it. And interestingly, I started to work with him. He's helped me get out of the marriage as well and, and stay grounded in it. And six months after I met Artie, which is the second person, the first person, Barry Green, who I've worked with for a couple of years, passed away. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is incredible. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> the universe works in such strange and incredible ways. How have these experiences helped shape the Hani you are today, both personally and professionally? Well, I think mostly how it shaped me was becoming more resilient. And I understand people better. I have learned because I have learned to make room for whoever I am. I have gone through the dark night of the soul. And I, I know it's like a cliche word, but I have really went into any emotion. Like there was no emotion that I would tell myself, no, you're not going to go there. So, and I know we do that unconsciously, mm -hmm. but I know myself so deeply and that helps me understand and empathize with other people. And so what would you say was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you? through these experiences? My biggest takeaway from these experiences are firstly, the capacity every person has. I would never believe looking back that I will be capable of reaching where I'm at right now. I know I had goals, I had visions, I had dreams, and I am idealistic, I'll be honest, but still. And I know if I was able to do this, everybody can do what they want to do. And go for what they're called to do. Honey, what is your approach to the work you do with your clients? My approach is ultimately to help them become their own healers and heal their own inner family before they build a family. So I believe that the level that we can connect to who we are is the level that we can connect to a child. And connection is the core of the human matrix, the human fiber. So it ultimately boils down to that. So I have created a very comprehensive program, which includes the education, because I am a teacher, so I yeah. always will be a teacher, and I love of to course. teach. And my teaching is advanced. That alone <laughs> is very worth it, but I would never leave it to just education. It's designed to actually help you transform. And I'm also inserting very high touch support. So it becomes, even if it's in a group, it becomes very personal and supportive in that way. So, and the core of what I include in the program is what I shared with you, what I learned in the last five years. So yeah. I'm not going to be selfish and just do it for myself. <laughs> and I can't even imagine when couples learn how to do that and they start a family, how different that will be. I'm excited just to think about that. <laughs> yes, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. What, in your opinion, is one of the most important qualities or skill sets in a guide? Listening, of course, and the ability to meet your client where they're at. Love so it. in your experience and doing the work that you do with the parents, 
families. What are three of the biggest challenges that you've seen that parents face? The biggest challenges parents face is firstly operating from an outside in versus inside out approach, meaning it's very natural or at least we're conditioned and we grew up really looking outside for approval. How should we do things? What should we do with our children? We have the peer pressure. And as much as I am advanced in my own healing, I can find myself, especially more recently, I'm like, I feel that pressure because I'm a parenting and that's not from where I want to come from with my children. Any outside pressure is not letting you be the authentic parent that you can be with your child. Do you have children? I'm curious. Yes, I do. I have two daughters. So I'm, I imagine, can you relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get all of this external noise coming. This is how you should do things. And then, of course, our parents play a part in our role, as you see and you've lived, in how we parent. And it's a matter of being able to, I think, pull out the positives that we learned as kids growing up, what our parents taught us, and implement those, but also weed out the shit that we don't need, the negativity and the things that we didn't like about how our parents raised us. It's a process. Kids don't come with manuals. Correct. You have what you learned, what you were conditioned, what you learned growing up as a kid, and then all of the other external things that come in. And that's what you have to go on to get started. So it's hard. It's Parenting is the toughest job in the world. It is. Yeah. And it's a long road. (laughs) A lot of learning. Yeah, at least the first 20 years of their life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The learning keeps going, I think. I mean, my girls are 22 and 24. The learning still continues. Yeah. And I think in a lot of cases, our kids are our biggest teachers. I agree. We can learn a lot from them. Absolutely. I haven't learned from anyone, from any of my beautiful mentors, as much as I learned from my own children. There you go. They are great teachers for sure. And I thank them because they have invited me mostly to love in a way that I didn't know I could love. (laughs) There you go. That's the biggest one. Yeah. And mostly it means when they do something you do not anticipate they will do. Yeah. And you still love them. Well, a parent's love is unconditional, right? At least it should be. It is. I agree that it is. And when we make it conditional, we are spitting out, if you will, something that we were taught and it's really coming from our younger self, passing that on. Yeah. Yeah. What are three of the most important lessons you've learned in your career in the work you do as a guide? The first lesson I learned was that my intuition is my biggest guide in guiding my clients in the moment. And it's like parenting, no lessons help. And you need to practice to use your intuition and I could say every time I go by my intuition is when magic happens. Yeah. Trusting and believing in yourself. Yeah. And to know that there is a sixth sense. Not always is it mental. And to right. trust that sense. I have a sense that this is what I'm supposed to do. I even have a sense that I shouldn't do anything, for example, or just listen. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that the more real that I am, the more honest, authentic, and personable, even admitting if I make a mistake, the more effective my work is with my client. So I I think we have to own our mistakes when we make them. And it just helps create who we are. It helps us be more authentic when we can admit that we've made a mistake. Yeah. And admit when we need help as well. Asking for help is a sign of strength, in my opinion. It's not a weakness like we've been conditioned to believe. Oh, yeah. It is such a huge sign of strength when we can admit that we need help and support. Let's be that phrase, it takes a village. It's true. It does. You can't do it all by yourself. You need help. You need support. Whether that be help looking after the kids or whatever it is, we need help. We cannot do it alone. And in my opinion, we're not meant to do this thing called life alone. And you can't, you just, you simply cannot. You have to do it in community, in support with others. I agree. I think we don't even realize how much we are dependent on others. We go to the supermarket. How many people are involved in bringing that one meal that you prepared? Exactly. That is life. Community is lifeblood, in my opinion. We need that. We need that support. 
Yeah. And I think what's really at the core of that and why people would not want to ask for help is their self-esteem issues, you know, yeah. and, and they have wounded sense of self and that really creates a certain facade or a protection where I must do everything by myself or if they were hurt in relationships and, yeah. and they were betrayed or let down, they're afraid to have that hurt again. And that's why the work that I personally do and teach is giving you the tools when it's okay to be triggered, but do you want to know what to do when you're triggered? Yes. I love and that, that includes asking for help. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. You are the creator of the Parenting Prep Success Formula. Can you tell us all about that? What's involved, how it works, when you launched it, all of the good things. Thank you. So as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about <laughs> yes. all of this. And I've been building this program out in the last two years, you know, from when I got divorced. And it's a leap upgrade from what I created when I created my parenting courses, especially as I shared, this is going to be catered for couples. So it right. will include the planning phase, really giving them the tools where they become so crystal clear that they won't see there's water in there <laughs> <laughs> and they won't be phased by the comments of their, you know, mother-in-law or yeah. whoever is in their life. The externals. Exactly. So that I find is super important for a couple who wants to start a family to get crystal clear. And, and once you have that clarity and you know, this is my future family and they see it in front of their eyes. And I actually also include creating a video where they can see it in front of their eyes, like a vision mm -hmm. video. Then I move into working on the couple relationship because many of them have a good relationship, but they're scared they're going to lose that vitality once they have to care for a child. So right. how to preserve that. And also if there are issues, you want to create a strong foundation. And once you have, that's when both together, we dive into the past. <laughs> and <laughs> Here we comes the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now the thing is that this process that I teach is so easy to do and helps so fast that it's actually fun. So... I'm working now with a woman who is also planning to start a family. She's not close to it yet, but she wants a family. And she's so blown away by the effects of this work. And in the past three weeks, she said she made more money than in the last six months. Wow. So that's how much it opened up her aura. It actually yeah. opens up the person's aura. It's going into the dark, but it's different than all the other modalities that I know I call it the spirit body IQ system uh -huh. and it's easy to learn. And then you can with this become your own healer and not need therapy, which can That's really huge. make you feel so empowered. Exactly. And then finally I have the taking the leap part, which is mm -hmm. helping you actually do it, get on the road and, and drive. <laughs> so actionable yeah. items, actionable steps. What are a couple of tips or takeaways that listeners can implement for parents out there to start moving towards healing and doing their inner work to help strengthen the family unit? That's a great question. I would say the first thing is to trust your journey. Where you are at right now is exactly where you need to be. And the more you can lean into your journey and trust that we're all vibrating in the same pulse of the universe. So my encouragement is to sit back and enjoy the ride. And the second thing that I would supply with any listener here who is in this position or in any position is remember one word and the word is who, because every experience that you have, we tend to alienate that experience from yourself. I'm depressed. I am all these things. My, my mind is thinking that. And instead of going into experiences where you estrange yourself from the experience, you can ask yourself, who is feeling what? Oh, it's me and maybe probably a younger me who is feeling disappointed. So the moment you know that there is somebody in you who is feeling what you're feeling, then all of a sudden you can connect to that someone. Just like you and I are talking now, you can connect to every single who inside of you. Love it. 
you say that your mission is to help people heal before they pass on what their parents hadn't healed. Why is this mission so personally important to you? I see a better humanity, and it's my personal strong conviction that the future of humanity will happen in the privacy of our homes. And I care about humans, especially babies, which are the humans in their most vulnerable state. And we come as humans into this world with a clean slate. And the possibilities for the human is so vast. And the responsibility we have then as parents is indescribable. How can parents strike a balance between nurturing their child's independence and maintaining a strong connection and influence in their lives? Well, this is the brilliant million-dollar question, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I still, you know, I my youngest is 14, so I still have two teens at home. And especially with teenagers, this balance is like walking a tightrope. <laughs> yes. Those are the most difficult years, the teen years. Oh. And we want them to be independent and we have to give them the full freedom and we love them so much. And I remember one of the things that I taught in my original parenting classes was this stage. I, my original parenting class was the first three years of life. But it's relevant to this because one of the prime phases in early childhood is called individuation and reproachment. It's a psych psychology classic word, but it's talking about when this human that I spoke earlier about, this baby who's utterly dependent on us unless, if not, they die. Yeah. If we don't feed them, if we don't hug them, if we don't pay attention to them, they will die, if not physically, emotionally. So the dependence is so strong and they hit this age where all of a sudden you don't know why they say no to everything. Or they say, I want to do it by myself. It's called the terrible too. It's not terrible too. It's blessed too. And they realize, oh, I could be my own person. And then there is the individuation. They become individual. And then there's reproachment. So the mother and the father needs to stand there and wait for when the child needs you. And let the child leave. But when they come back, be there for the child fully. And yeah. that's the balance. And the I same is true that. once again, in teenage years, there's a second bout of, <laughs> yeah. the, of the, what people call terrible twos, but I, I think it's the blessing. And I want to add one important piece here, which I think is important to take note, because this, I think, is such a core piece in why there is suffering in the world. The result of dysfunction in this period is either the person has such control issues because they didn't get the individuation, they didn't get the space. If a parent feels threatened by the child and controls, the child grows up to be super controlling. Or if the parent is not there for the reproachment, it's okay, do it all by yourself. That's another unhealthy reaction from the parent. The child will suffer from abandonment issues. So we see now in adults, people playing out their need for control and it's not their fault. <laughs> Now, we hear all the time, we must fill our own cups before pouring into everyone else's. This is all about the whole self-care bit. And I think that also goes for parents before filling their children's cups, in my opinion. We do. We need to fill our cups first in order to be that present and good parent that demonstrates that for our children. But as parents, we struggle finding the time for our own self-care while juggling the demands, of course, of being a present parent and helping your kids. How, in your opinion, do you think parents can prioritize self-care to ensure that they do show up as their best selves for their children? That's such an important question, Brad. And I'm so glad that you're asking this. The put on your mask first yeah. analogy. And we think as parents sometimes that we give when we give to our children or others first and we deplete ourselves. And firstly, we forget that we are also somebody to give to. We're also a human, like equally. So yep. if I'm not going to give to myself, who will? And of mm -hmm. course, you hope to have a good partnership where you do receive in the partnership. But yeah, absolutely. It's very important. And how I like to approach it, if somebody were to come to me is firstly, let's see where in your early childhood have you developed this pattern 
where you learned that you put others first. And a lot of children are not nurtured properly by their parents and they move into survival and they become the caretakers of their own parents, even as mm -hmm. young children. So I know I was like that. I remember seeing my mom crying in the kitchen and I don't know if I mentioned I have 13 siblings. So no. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and I was the different one. My mother would always tell me none of my children, that was her first couple of words, or my, none of my children want to wear what you wear, none of my children ask what you ask. So I knew I'm the none of my children child. <laughs> but now I could appreciate who I am and, and know that I am different than my siblings. So I was really young, let's say seven or eight, and my mother is crying and all the others are running into corners because they don't want to see her cry. And I'm the only one walking up and saying, can I help you? So some of us develop that and then that needs to be healed before yeah. you can actually self-care. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? What was your life like after learning it? Well, it's very personal and a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this happened three months after I got divorced. I got divorced in the end of 2020. And although I've been doing a lot of practices, like spiritual practices, th this was the most impactful one. And I had custody over my two youngest children. And a day before the major holiday, Passover, I got called to court. And the court was voted in by the community. And... The judge is unfortunately biased and the children were taken away from my custody without even uh, a hearing or anything. Just taken away. Correct. Holy shit. So imagine me being alone on Passover and I am screaming into my apartment. There is no justice in this world. And I was like so adamant and I, I couldn't believe it that the judicial system and the school system went along and everybody went along with something that was unfair. And I was just questioning God. Is there justice in this world? A couple of hours later, I go into the bath, something with a bath for me. <laughs> yes, I see that. <laughs> and I have this very real flowing inquiry to myself. And I don't know if others inquire. And I don't know if you go out asking, but I had that moment where I just asked, are you inside me or outside of me? That, that was the question. And all of a sudden, my whole body started to vibrate. I had, boom, I had this revelation where I started sobbing and it was like, duh. And of course, the answer was inside and outside of you because the divine is all over. But it was so experiential and it was so clear. And I just asked myself, how in the world do I forget? Never had that experience again, to be honest, but I remember it. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. And I can always refer to it because there's no believing in it. It's experiential. It just so, is. Yeah. That changed my life. Yeah. That definitely changed my life. Honey, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I don't take credit for it. It's badass courage. <laughs> I was like that since I'm a little girl. And I think that's why my mother felt so scared of me. And I'm <laughs> the none of my children child. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? To me, success is a simple word. It means you want something and you reach it. Beautiful. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions should just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? There's always something beyond what we can see now. Stay open in your mind, heart, and soul, and that will keep you always growing into more of who you are. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I love my optimistic disposition. I always see something bright. I don't need to look for it. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? I want to develop the confidence to integrate singing into my work in some way. Love I'm passionate it. about singing. Yeah. Love that. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Unconditional love. And I want to be remembered as an influence in helping transform 
one family at a time and shape a new humanity where flow, harmony, and peace is the new norm. What is one of your favorite quotes? It's the same guiding quote that I created back then, which is, your life is yours, and you can choose how to live it. <laughs> yes. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Honey, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment means is you take actions that are aligned for you, which you feel stronger than your inner and outer resistance to it. Beautifully said. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Guess what? Being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> I think that being a parent is, yeah, that's, I think that's a challenge for a lot of us. It's a lot of work. It's a constant learning. My children will never know what a gift they are to me. I mean, of course, the gift of who they are, the gift of seeing divine beings, unique beings. Yeah, I can probably, I could say, as I shared earlier, I haven't learned how to love as much as I learned from my children, especially in this situation where we're now divorced and children being in the middle of it creates yeah. a lot of challenge for the whole family. And having eight children is like having a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. Two, two for me was enough. I can't even begin to imagine eight. Oh my gosh. And then the grandkids and wow. Oh yeah. That, that's a whole, whole <laughs> that's a whole level. other ball of wax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's e the easy part. The grandparents. Yes. Being yeah. a grandparent, the grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? That I don't need to do a, a gratitude journal. I mm. sit in my backyard I am filled with gratitude walking up the streets. And maybe it's because I've gone through such a long journey of pain that we just go into an essence of gratitude. And I feel like that's a surprise to me. There's this pulse of gratitude in me. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? To trust that the universe has our back. Because when we fall into survive I'm talking about money. <laughs> when we fall into survival issues and desperation or money pressure, it leaks into our career inevitably. So for me, this too is my inner child work and, and to understand that I'm looked after and taken care of by this large universe. That's a tough one to learn and to get into that mindset of trusting and allowing and all. because yet the money thing that I think when we have issues around that, trauma around that, all of these things, it seeps into every single area of our lives, not just the career, but everything. And learning to shift your mindset and step into that and trust, that trust piece is a huge piece. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of work, yeah. but you have to do the work. It's very liberating because yeah. that's the truth. It's only the conditioning that makes us still believe otherwise. Yeah, that's right. What is your why? My big why is because I feel like if I was given this wisdom, it's not mine. It's meant to be shared. Just like our gifts, they are meant to be shared. They're not for us. Very true. I wholeheartedly believe that the gifts are not for you. And it is, in my opinion, it is your responsibility to this world to share them. You owe that to the world. You are not to deny sharing your gifts. Thank you. And, and, thank we, you all, and we all have those gifts. We all come here with gifts. Of course, they differ and vary with every human being, but it's your job. It's your responsibility. It's your duty to share them with the world because yeah. it's so much bigger than you. Actually, we all are. Mm -hmm. Our essence is a gift. Yeah. Just sure. share yourself. Yeah. Love that. I love yeah. that distinction. <laughs> Honey, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Well, it's probably the woman that most women would say, <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> I feel like, as I shared a minute ago, I feel like I have a, a message to share. And this is, isn't even about me. I, I feel like she can help me amplify my voice. And if I don't look at somebody to amplify and I can just trust my own process that the message will come through, I would love to sit with an indigenous 100-year-old woman and hear how life was back then. That would be a wonderful conversation. Yeah. 
If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Be who you are. There's no measure to your magnificence and potential. And mostly what others fail to see in you does not define who you are. That is beautiful. I love that. Lastly, honey, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Well, it might change as I grow, but for now, (laughs) 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 these are the last 30 seconds. Underneath every mask is a person. Underneath every aggression is suppressed pain. People are hurting. We cannot calm aggression with more aggression. We need to start making room for all that is, for all people, for all who people are. Making room with our acceptance is like sending oxygen energetically to humanity. It might be challenging in the beginning. It might take time. But if you stay with it and don't quit, you will succeed. Love will eventually dissolve all hate. Beautifully said. Mic drop moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here with me today. And thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all the work that you're doing to help people, couples who are stepping into parenthood and that huge responsibility of raising children. It is such incredibly important work that you're doing. So thank you. And thank you for sharing your journey and your personal story with me. It is an absolute honor to have had the opportunity to sit down and speak with you and share in that journey with you. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you. Mm. So, so mutual, Brad. You know, as I shared earlier, I deeply respect who you are and what you do. And it's just an honor. Thank you. My pleasure. And the honor is truly all mine. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Hani Tversky. She is the founder and owner of Peak Parenting Academy, a spiritual parenting guide, a life coach, and of course, last but certainly not least, a mom to eight children and a grandma to 13 children. Thank you so much, Hani. I hope you have an amazingly beautiful rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.